You know, one of the inevitable things in uh, the church, you find out the, the biggest guns uh, in the global world are the most humble men who really quietly serve the Lord. We are this morning going to take a look uh, as Ponraj brings us uh, the word. And I have to tell you, uh, Ponraj has planted over 5,000 churches. They baptized 15,000. 16,000 people uh, last year, and we're starting two mission churches. Um, but it's great to find out as we reach out and head uh, down there. If you have your Bible, would you take it out and stand with me for the reading of God's Word and turn to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. It's on page 553 in your pew Bible. Isaiah 6, verses 1 down through 10. Isaiah, of course, this great upward inward outward thrust as he meets the risen lord in a tough time in his life if you're visiting we read this out loud as a sign of god's community when we get done reading i'll say this is the word of the lord and if you believe it you'll say thanks be to god so let's read verses 1 through 10 as you read listen with your heart you're reading god's word in the year that king uzziah died i saw the lord sitting on a throne high and lofty and the hem of his robe filled the temple Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called. And the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I love among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of thongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull, and stop their ears, and shut their eyes, so they may not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, And comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the bloom fades, but those words will simply last forever. About 12 years ago, I heard for the first time what God was doing in in India, in Bihar. And then years later, I I had the privilege of meeting uh, in person Poraj. Paraj is from the southern part of uh, India, and God called him many years ago after he has served in a state in India called Gujarat and planted more than a hundred churches. He had a vision from God that God was calling him to go to Bihar to preach the gospel there. When he shared the news with his mission agencies and friends, they told him, you should not go to Bihar. There is no result in terms of ministry in Bihar, and God has given you a fruitful and a blessed ministry in this part of, of India. But Ponrad had a vision from God that one day God will transform that state. And even against the advice of his friends and colleagues, he went to Bihar with his wife Shayla. 
The first few years were hard and difficult, but then God started doing amazing things in Bihar. And today we're going to hear as he preached the word of God to us, what is God doing through a person and a family when they are faithful to God's calling to serve them in this place in, in India. It's such a privilege for this church, uh, Pona, to have you, you as a partner, is to have a, you as a message of God to this church today. Thank you so much. Let's pray before he speaks. Father, I uh, pray for my brother one more time and ask that as he speaks, we can hear your voice. As he challenges us, we can see this church more involved and closer to you in your mission here in Los Angeles and throughout the world. Ask for, for his wife back in, uh, in his country that you be guarded and protected by you today and speak through him to us this morning. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Dear brothers and sisters, it's a great joy and privilege for me to be part of this worship service. And uh, I thank God for this opportunity. And also, I'm so thankful to your pastoral team and the missions committee for uh, giving me this opportunity. And uh, it's coming back home. Uh, two years back, I was here. And every time I meet your friends, uh, some of you have visited Bihar including your executive pastor and missions pastor. And always Pastor Sinak says, Punraj, this is your home, come. <laughs> so thank you so much for your warm love. And many of you um, met us, appreciate our work. And thank you so much for your love, hospitality, your partnership in the gospel for the people of India. As I said, India, one of the largest countries in the world next to China. We represent one-sixth of world population. India is a democratic country as much as yours. Ours is a working democracy. We have full freedom to believe, to practice, and to propagate the gospel. At any time of the day, I can go to a street corner and preach Jesus is the true God. There will be hundred people listening to the gospel. We have freedom to share the gospel in our schools and colleges, distribute uh, scriptures, and that is India. India is not a Hindu country as much as America is not a Christian country. Is that all right? Amen. <laughs> well, there are many Christians by name. I, I am told only 25% are practicing Christians in your country. That's true in my country. There are many Hindus. Only about 20% of them are the real Hindus. And therefore, India is not a Hindu country. India is a secular country. We have about 20% Muslims and Sikhs and Jains and Buddhists and many other religions. India is a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious country. Often it is overwhelming with 1.2 billion people, 1,600 languages, 580 tribals, and so many races and, and over 6,000 castes, you know, under the caste system. But then India is an open country for the gospel. India is a secular country and therefore we have freedom to believe and practice and therefore the church in India is growing. Recently the Hindus took a research and found during the last 110 years of census, Hinduism has lost 11.5% of their members. Now we have the answer for the why persecution in India. Hindus feel that they are threatened 
They feel that Hinduism is a shallow religion. Only Christianity has the real message of love and redemption and belief and blessing to our nation. And therefore thousands and thousands of people are coming to Jesus Christ. That is India. But still, friends, our Indian church with 6.5% Christians is growing. And also, Indian church is a missionary church. We have over 500 indigenous missions, sent out 50,000 cross-cultural missionaries. I am one among them, coming all the way from South India, working in North India, a distance of 3,000 miles, different language and culture and dress. But also, with all that's happening in India, still enormous need. We ourselves cannot reach India. We need you. We need the global church to pray for us and support us and be partners. That's what I'm here. But also I'm here to thank you for your prayers. And the Lord has blessed us. You know, the African proverb says, one bite at a time. All right, if you want to eat an elephant. With all the overwhelming India, I represent Bihar state. One state. You know, Bihar has 92 million people. If we take Bihar as a separate country, it will be the 16th largest country in the world. Bigger than many of the European and African countries. Just one state, Bihar. And in mission history, Bihar was known as the graveyard of missions. In 1992, myself and my wife, we went to Bihar. And people said, don't come to Bihar. Nothing works in Bihar. Hopelessness, uselessness. And I went around and took a research and found 12 reasons why Bihar was known as the graveyard of missions. Overpopulation. The most poor state in India. You know, a Bihari lives by $100 a year. All right? Just $100 for the whole year. That's the poorest of the poor. And the most illiterate state in India. Most corrupt state in India. Most backward state in India. It is known as the backward the heartland of backwardness. And there are many gangs in Bihar because of unemployment, nothing to eat. The young people join gangs and they kill one another. The high caste has their own army and the low caste and the middle caste and social struggle and making Bihar as the graveyard of missions. But again, coming to the 150 years of mission history made Bihar not as a Christian state. People have rejected the gospel. They thought the white man ruling over them, the white man with the gospel, they are all the same. They said Be, uh, Christianity is a foreign religion and therefore we lost. But friends, with all that, the Lord in 1992, the Lord gave us the promise. I said, Lord, I have every reason why I should not work in Bihar. The Lord said, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. I said, Lord, I know that passage, the value of dry bones. That's what I see in Bihar, the graveyard, the value of dry bones. The Lord said, no, verse 4 and 5, I will send my spirit into the dry bones and they will come to life. And prophesied, there was an army of people standing on their feet. And I said, I believe, Lord. So we called God's people, 350 of them in 1992 in Patna. And we made a covenant, Bihar Outreach Network. The Anglicans, the Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, brethren, all came together and said, we have to work together and see Bihar is transformed. The Lord's promise was the graveyard will become a vineyard. Graveyard of missions into a vineyard of missions. Today, friends, I stand as a witness 
the Lord has fulfilled his promise. During the last 16 years, over 55,000 people have accepted Christ and taken baptism. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Over 5,000 villages, we have planted churches. In fact, this, by this month, we have 5,600 villages. There are house churches worshipping God every Sunday. And hundreds and hundreds of people, young people, are moving. And they wanted to be witnesses. So we started one Bible school, second one, third and fourth. Now we have four Bible schools. And every year we sent out 120 Boys and girls, all in teens and twenties, going into the villages, sharing the good news of the gospel. Even many of the young people from the gangs, they become Christians. And instead of taking guns and bullets and killing one another, they take the Bible and share the good news of the gospel, gospel of peace. And that's the way God is transforming this state. And friends, for the last 33 years, I'm a missionary coming from south to north. And you may ask, why I am a missionary? What made me to continue on all these years? Because of my conviction, of biblical conviction of mission. And this morning we read from Isaiah chapter 6. We know the passage very well. Prophet Isaiah was in the temple. He was seeing the vision of God. And then the Lord revealed his own sinfulness. And then the Lord showed him the vision of the world. And then comes the cry from the triune God. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, Lord, send me. He said, go and tell these people. Here is a vision. Vision of God. And vision of one's sinfulness. And by the cleansing of the Holy Spirit... See the vision of the world. Here is a triune God seen as a missionary God. And therefore the God whom we worship this morning, he is a missionary God. Friends, have you ever thought about that? The God whom we worship this morning is a missionary God. Mission started in the heart of God. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 and 5. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And again we read in the gospel, this is not the will of our heavenly father, not at least one should be perished. And therefore the God whom we worship this morning is a missionary God. The heartbeat of God is mission. Let's go back to the Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve, when they committed sin, disobeyed God, God came down in the evening as usual and calling, Adam, Adam, where are you? That is the missionary heart of God. Adam, Adam, where are you? God was searching after the lost man. Even today, you and I, our mission is searching after the lost. Not only that, he saved them by killing an animal, giving them skin clothes. Not only we search, but bring them to the fold of the church. Then he said, I will send my son to die on the cross. Again, chapter Genesis verse, chapter 3, verse 15. Not only searching and saving, but also sending. And friend, that is Christian mission. We have come today to worship God so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, cleansed by the power of, uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, so that we can send 
into the world as missionaries. Because our God is a missionary God. Friends, our God loved the whole world, not just the Americans, all right? God loved the whole world. All the 6.2 billion people, including 1.2 billion people of India. And therefore, if we don't understand the heart of God, as a missionary God, we are not worshipping God in true sense. If a, if a person, if a son is not interested in his father's business, we would say we are a strange son. We are all children of God. If we are not interested in the mission of our Heavenly Father, we have not understood our Heavenly Father's heart. But also, this is a command of the Son, the triune God. We read in five passages in the New Testament, the command of Jesus Christ, what we call the Great Commission. First we read, go and preach the gospel to all creatures, all people, the whole world, go. Second, go and make disciples of all nations. Nations means ethnic, people groups. I am told that your, your uh, uh, Los Angeles represents 170 nations. All nations, all peoples, all languages should hear the gospel, go and make disciples. But again, third, in Luke's Gospels, you are my witnesses. If you are not able to preach, that's all right. <laughs> At least you can witness, you know. Once I was blind, now I see. That is witness. Once I was a sinner, I am saved. Once I didn't know Jesus. Once I didn't have my peace. But today I have peace and joy. Just tell your friends and your colleagues and your neighbors. And then Jesus said, as my father sent me, so send I you. Friends, church is a sent community. He calls every week, come, take rest, and be filled with my spirit. Be cleansed by the blood of Christ, so that you can go into the world. We are a sent community. You are sent into the hospitals, into the Hollywood. You are sent into the, you know, the offices, in the factories, in the economic world. Wherever you are, you are a sent missionary. And therefore, Jesus said, go, baptized, preach, witness. I am sending you. There is one more passage, Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be empowered and witnesses beginning from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Friends, we are not alone in mission. The Spirit of God is always with us. He empowers us. He gives the wisdom and the knowledge how to witness, how to share the gospel. He gives the boldness in the midst of persecution, opposition, and that is mission. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The purpose of giving the Holy Spirit is so that we can be effective witnesses. And friends, today we have to be encouraged that we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. And Finally, Jesus not only commanded us, the Holy Spirit is the plan and the purpose, the program of mission. We have to go to the New Testament church, book of Acts, chapter 13. We all know that passage, the passage about the Antioch church. I read chapter 13, verse 2, it says like this, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here is a beautiful 
missionary church dedicating their leaders for mission. You know, friends, local church is the medium of mission to the world. The primary task of every local church is mission, evangelism, and church planting. If we have any other agenda, we have misplaced our church. Here the word of God says, the leaders, the elders, the pastors, deacons, fasting and praying. What is the revelation? Set a fort for me. Not just ordinary members, you know, the useless, unemployed. No, Paul and Barnabas, the leaders, you know, who are the worship pastors and the senior pastor and the executive pastor. They were like that. And the revelation was set apart for me. Send them as missionaries. I'm so happy that they didn't question, oh, we might have got a you know wrong revelation. Let us have a second fasting and prayer. No. They said, yes, we are ready. Many churches say if we lose our executive pastor or a senior pastor, our church will die. No, friends. We have to give the best people to go to mission. It's not the worst people. We need scholars, we need all the, you know, able, educated, the cream of the society for mission. Because mission is the most difficult job in the world. That's what Bishop Stephen Neal writes. It is surprising that many people attempted this. And if not at all surprising that some have failed, even many have failed. But today, friends, God is calling us. The triune God is calling us. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Sometimes we think mission is the work of the missionary societies. And you know the missions, the parachurch agencies. I'm not against them. But friends, mission must be the central activity of every local church. Emil Brunner, the great theologian, said, As the fire exists by burning, so the church exists. By the proclamation of the gospel. Why there are empty seats in our pews. Why our churches are not multiplying. Why we are not able to spread out to the whole world. Because our churches are not putting mission as a central agenda of our activities. And we have to come back to mission as the central activity. And therefore, here we see the Antioch church as a missionary church. And there they sent Paul and Barnabas. And therefore, we have a missionary God whose heartbeat is always mission. And he wants us to be as missionaries, but also the command of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the program and the plan of the Holy Spirit. Friends, today, I come from India, where you have read in many places uh, persecution and opposition to the gospel. In Odisha state, over 100 people were killed. Many nuns and women were raped. Hundreds of churches were burnt out. Burnt. (coughs) And thousands of people are in refuge camps. What is mission? For us, mission comes out of persecution. Poverty. I come from a state where my people live. The whole year, whole month, whole year, $100. Our mission is out of poverty. Our mission is out of persecution. Are we self-pity? No. That's what the Bible says. 
if the corn of wheat remains alone, it just is alone, but it falls into the ground, it brings forth much fruit. That is mission. No mission, no sacrifice, no mission. And no cross, no crown. No death, no life. No losing, no gaining. I know we are losing now, this month, this few months. I'm told. People always ask, Pundraj, what is your economic condition in India? In Bihar, oh. <clears throat> oh, people never heard about all this economic crisis. <laughs> For them, <laughs> For them, nothing, no meaning. Many of the millions of Indians have no problem. But I know, I sympathize with you. Some of you lost 20-30% of your wealth. Friends, mission out of plentifulness or mission out of poverty? That's the challenge. Today, I was surprised to see the worship group brought two verses in the, on the screen. Treasure your wealth in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Where you are Treasure, there is your heart. And another two more and second words also from the early church, they quoted. I didn't tell them. That's the message from the Holy Spirit. You know, the early disciples sold everything and given to the church. Think of Bel Air Church selling everything. All your estates, all your wealth, everything that you possess and give for mission. How many millions can be reached? Yes, friends, sit and calculate how much we are going to lose in the coming days, coming months, I don't know. But before you lose your wealth and your property and your bank account, save it in the treasure, in the heaven, in the heavenly bank, where no bankrupt, all right, I assure you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Friends, I'm not here to beg money, no. Money is God's money, all resources from God. Only when God opens the hands, I receive, you receive. When he closes, we don't receive. So I'm, not, I'm here to only say, this is mission, that we have to, the mission must pinch us. Mission must hurt us. And many say, Pundraj, in your country people are dying for gospel, Yes. What about in your country? Why can't you also sacrifice? No sacrifice, no mission. That's what Jim Elliot wrote in his diary. You know, the last statement. No one can save himself and yet fulfill the mission of God. American, young man, many of your young people sitting. He wrote, Jim Elliot, the last statement in his diary. No man can save himself and yet fulfill the mission of God. If we want to save our property, our wealth, our bank account, all our luxuries, all our families, and finally, we still want to fulfill the mission of God. Sorry, he says, not possible. He lost everything, but he gained everything. Hundreds and thousands of young people today follow Jim Elliot. And friend, today, the God of Jim Elliot is here. He's calling young, young people. Young people, come. Don't try to save yourself. By losing, we save. By giving, we receive. By dying, we live. That is mission. I must close. You know, friends, mission always starts here. Not there. Not just 
throwing some dollars or praying for the heathen mission here. I'm a missionary for 33 years. I have my wife, Sheila, a missionary. We have three boys, Daniel, David, and Joseph, all three Old Testament heroes, all right? (laughs) They were all born in the mission field. When we are in Gujarat, they brought up. And then Daniel, they all went to the mission's boarding school, 3,000 miles away. We lost their love, they lost our love. But we have to make that sacrifice. Then after the school final, our eldest son went to college, the Madras Christian College. He saw a new world. And he used to be a good singer and, and a musician. He became the follower of Michael Jackson, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Having long hair and, you know, I don't know, torn pant and the guitar. And he was telling, he was singing from his stomach. You people are singing from your throat. I'm singing from my stomach. You will scream. <laughs> he became a very bad boy. We almost lost him. And he told his professor, Pundraj, your son is so famous, entertainment secretary for the whole campus, and he's not present in the class. Please tell him, come to school also. But you know, friends, we prayed and cried, oh God, you are giving new life to the dry bones of Bihar. What about our, our children? Our Daniel, please save him. We cried. And the Lord answered our prayer. We took him for counseling. One day he said, Mommy, Daddy, I want to go back to the college. He cut his hair, threw his guitar, changed his clothes, and went and studied and got his degree. Then he went to Calcutta, and he was doing his computer science. But night and day he will go to the street corners, help the poor, the needy, the drug addicts, the street children. He will give everything. And then after six months, Mommy, Daddy, I want you to be a missionary just like you in the jungle, to reach the village, the jungle people. He said, you are only 22, go, go, study. He said, no, I want to be a missionary. You will cry, I want to be a missionary. If you are not taking me, I will go and join some other mission. We said, no, 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 don't go, come. (laughs) Friends, he became a missionary. He married a missionary girl, and he took his guitar. He's a worship leader. He's a computerist. He's a great missionary, a leader. Hallelujah! (laughs) Young people, mission is not just an option, it's an obligation. It's a great honor and privilege to be a missionary. The time for mission, the missionary era is not ended till the lost man to hear the gospel. Mission is on. Young people, dedicate your life for mission. You will enjoy. It's a great adventure. I'm talking from 33 years of... If God gives me 100 lives, I will dedicate every life to be a missionary. Today, it's a great privilege. The triune God, God the Father, calls us. Who will go for us? Who will send? The Son commands, go, preach, baptize, witness, plant churches. And finally, the Holy Spirit says, I will empower you. I will guide you. I will be with you till the ends of the earth. You will not lose by losing yourself for me. By giving, you will not lose. And today, let us dedicate ourselves for mission. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Amen. My friend, 
My friends, God is building His kingdom around the world. And every time that I meet in a day like this, I have the sense that God is really building His kingdom around the world. And we have the privilege sometimes to participate and sometimes just to see what God is doing. And yet, there are much more yet to come, the life of the church in the world. Twice a year, we invite uh, each one of you to participate in the offering that is above and beyond, and above and beyond our regular offering to support the mission of Bel Air in the city and in th- throughout the world. And today is the privilege, the day that we have the privilege to make this part of our worship to God today. And uh, the offering that is above and beyond is the yellow envelope in your pills, and the white is for the regular offering will be uh, sent to support the ministry of our partners, not to support their infrastructures, because they are larger than Bel Air, but it's to help them and with them to support the mission of these partners in different places. For our strategic partners in as well to support the ministry among children at risk here in Los Angeles. We have about 70,000 people, 70,000 people uh, registered in gangs in LA. A lot of them are very young and we're going to support ministries in LA that they're serving, especially uh, children and youth at risk in our city. We are going to sing and we have the privilege to be part of God's mission. God has been faithful to us in so many levels and today we have the to give back to him and through the ministry of Bel Air Presbyterian Church in the ministry here in L.A. and throughout the world. As I invite our worshipers to come forward, would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for what we heard today, and we thank you for the challenge in our hearts and for the people who are sacrificing their lives to serve you. And we thank you, Lord, for the many human and financial resources that you have given to this church, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to be part of this mission through our financial contributions. We thank you, Lord, that even in times of crisis like the one that we are going through, you have been to us a faithful God. There are food in our tables and a place for us to live, and we thank you for that. And as, Lord, as we give our offerings to you today, receive it for your glory. In Christ Jesus we, we pray. Amen.